The following is a sermon from the Edgington Evangelical Presbyterian Church in Taylor Ridge, Illinois. We have been reading about, learning about, thinking about that kingdom. Uh, and so it's time to turn together to Matthew, Matthew's Gospel in chapter 7. We have been, as a church family, walking through this Sermon on the Mount of the Lord Jesus, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, for uh, a number of months, uh, a year now or so. And as I said, we, we are in the concluding portions of that sermon as Jesus is finishing up his major teaching block, his most famous sermon, as he brings home the points that he wants his listeners to most hear and obey. Now, last week, uh, last week we found Jesus in Matthew uh, 13 and 14 of chapter 7, Matthew 7, 13 and 14, saying this, don't just stand by and admire the kingdom, enter it. Don't just praise the morality of the kingdom, enter it. Don't just say what a good teacher Jesus is, Believe in Him. Really and truly enter the kingdom. So, as Jesus has been compelling us to enter that kingdom, and He gives us those word pictures of a, a narrow gate and a narrow way and a broad gate and a broad way, as He says there are only these two ways, now Jesus is <coughs> moving on and He is saying this, walk on that narrow way. But as you walk on that narrow way, as you make your way through the narrow gate and walk on the narrow way, it doesn't mean that you can suddenly just stop paying attention. Walking on the narrow way involves being mindful and discerning about who you are listening to as you progress along the narrow way. Just because you are on the narrow way doesn't mean you can let your guard down. Jesus is here issuing another warning about those that would seek to lead you astray off the narrow path back to the broad road. Jesus is saying in our text this morning, be on guard. Be on guard. So we're going to be looking not just at verses 15 to 20, but actually all of 15 through 23 because uh, Jesus' main point here in those two sections is really the same. So, as Jesus says to us, be on guard, we want to hear His Word and give it close attention. So, let's pray and ask God's blessing upon the Word and hear it together. Uh, Lord, we pray now you would so speak to us in the power and authority of your word that you would move our hearts to not only hear but obey to truly receive the teaching of your son Jesus and so heed his word and live in his kingdom in a way that honors you Lord I pray that you would give to us discerning hearts today and that you would show us your grace by teaching us your word bless us as we receive it Bless us as we hear it. Bless us as we apply it, we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now let's hear what Jesus has to say to us at Matthew 7 and verse 15 through verse 23. This is the Word of God. Beware of false prophets 
who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of God abides forever. So may He write its eternal truth on our hearts and encourage you to keep your Bible open here in Matthew 7. Now, it's been a, a while, a long time, actually, since I've been on a plane with restricted travel and all the rest, but I'm always intrigued every time that I am at how much people do not pay attention to the safety presentation that the staff is giving on the plane. And you know, it would seem to make good sense in one sense to say, people have heard this all before, and so why would they pay attention to what they already know? Or they say, I'm never going to need this information. The percentage of my needing any of this information is so low that I could risk being ignorant on this topic because my percentage is I'll take the gamble. I, I don't know why. I always get a kind of a kick out of the fact that if you do pay attention to the staff as they give their safety presentation, they seemingly really appreciate it. And they'll even give you quite, quite a smile out of appreciation for it. Thank you for actually listening to me. Well, Jesus is here speaking. And he is speaking about things that are of ultimate importance that are not on the basis of percentage gambling about whether or not you need to know this information. What Jesus speaks here is 100% certain to take place in your life. Namely, being faced with eternal consequences, eternal realities, eternal decisions. So we must heed Jesus' word, and we have been doing so. But the word that he is giving to us now is especially as kingdom citizens, as those who are seeking to walk on the narrow path, there is something that you must be on your guard against, something that you must be especially mindful to pay attention about, and it is false prophets. You see that topic in verse 15. Uh, we're also going to use interchangeably the, the idea of false teachers. Jesus is here saying that we need to be on guard. You and I need to be on guard against false teachers. That's the first point that we're going to see this morning. We must be on guard for those who claim to be showing us the right way of the kingdom, but whose teaching is actually going to lead us away from the narrow road back to the broad road. 
And we learn in this passage, first of all, that we must be on guard for those who profess to be true teachers, and yet their teaching is not a true reflection of Jesus' words or what the Scripture says in the whole of the Bible. So the Lord Jesus is saying to you, be on your guard against false teachers, those who claim to be true teachers of my kingdom, yet who contradict their teaching with their lives and their words. Look again at verse 15. Jesus says, beware. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And why do you think Jesus, why do you think Jesus is saying this? I think that there are two important realities that we have to acknowledge before we get into the details of what Jesus is saying. Two important realities about what Jesus is saying. And first of all, let's say this. That truth matters. Truth matters. The Lord Jesus would not go on about the content of teaching if truth didn't really matter. If what we believed didn't really matter. The Lord Jesus would not have expended Himself on this topic if it didn't matter what you believed or not. So let us say that what you believe as a Christian matters. The truth you believe matters. What you believe, believing rightly, is necessary in order to enter the kingdom. For example, you cannot hold that Jesus Christ is a Savior among other saviors. You cannot hold that and be in the kingdom because you would be wrong. You would be in error. When Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, He means that truth does matter and what you believe about Jesus matters. Truth matters. What you believe matters. Secondly, not only does truth matter, but secondly, there are those people who are intent to be false teachers. That false teachers really are a problem. So, truth really does matter and false prophets really do exist. Jesus would not speak about false prophets if they didn't exist. He wouldn't kind of wake our attention up to the reality of false teachers if false teachers weren't a real problem for the church. Now, if when you look through the New Testament and you're paying attention to this topic, you would be amazed how much the Apostle Paul and other apostles labor to make points about those who would seek to lead the church astray with their false teaching. Did you know that the main threat, the main threat for the Christian church that the New Testament outlines, besides division among the body, is false teaching among the body. Getting truth wrong. Paul is consistently warning people to be on guard from these false teachers. In fact, at one point in the book of Acts, after the Apostle Paul has spent a lengthy amount of time with the church in Ephesus, he gathers the elders of that church together and he has a parting word with, if you like to use our vernacular, the session of Ephesus church. And one of the points he makes to them in Acts 20 Verse 29 and 30 is this. He says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, 
not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. The Apostle Paul told the church at Ephesus that division from false teaching arising in the church is a great threat to the people of God. So Jesus is addressing the subject of false teachers because truth matters and because false teachers really do exist. Now, in the first century, we could likely assume that the kind of teachers that Jesus was speaking about was the Pharisees. The way they corrupted His teaching, the way they corrupted the law of God, the way they distorted the Bible to lead the people astray. But Jesus never explicitly says that the false teachers are the Pharisees. It's interesting, I think, that Jesus speaks so generally that His words can be widely applied, not just to the first century, but to our time as well, and the existence and reality of false teachers in our day. Now, the point that Jesus is making here is to raise the alarm and raise the discernment and raise the consciousness among the people of God on this point. So if you are someone who is not mindful about this topic, Jesus is saying to you directly, pay attention. Beware. You should be concerned about this. And before we get into the details of what these false teachers are doing and saying... It's also important to recognize that Jesus is not here warning about false teachers in the world at large, right? We should not be surprised at all that there are those in the world today that are seeking to lead us astray. The concern is not false teachers in the world. The concern is false teachers in the church, that is the big point of distinguishing reality that Jesus is talking about here. He is, he is not at all surprised about the fact that there would be false teachers in the world to lead you astray. His concern is false teachers within the church. So, what, what do they look like? What do false teachers look like? What are the distinguishing marks of a false teacher? Let's look at three of them. The first one is that a false teacher or a false prophet is identified by their attitude toward the people of God. A false teacher is identified by their attitude toward the people of God. Look again at what Jesus says in verse 15, that these false prophets who come to you, who come to you, the people of God, the sheep of God's flock, these false prophets come, verse 15, in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. The contrast here is between Jesus as he is presented in John chapter 10 as the good shepherd, good shepherd who with tenderness and loving compassion cares for the flock and those who are wolves within the flock. Those who come in to destroy. These are people who come seeking to serve their own interests. Jesus says, beware, be on your guard, meaning sometimes this is difficult to perceive. It's hard to discern, so you must pay attention because they come seemingly innocently in sheep's clothing, he says, appearing harmless, appearing amongst the flock of God, blending in. 
but who are actually, Jesus says, ravenous wolves intent to deceive as their inner character betrays their outer disguise and they are seen to be who they really are, not sheep of God's flock, but rather wolves who are coming to attack and destroy to be ravenously against the flock, Jesus says. Now, sometimes in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul names names of these types of people. Uh, one such example, not a Paul, but another apostle, John, in 3 John chapter 9, verse 10, speaks of a man named Diotrephes. Diotrephes is named in the early church as someone who was a leader amongst the church, someone who was a teacher in the church, but the Apostle John speaks of Diotrephes, which the whole church would have known, and dropping his name, the church would have paid attention. And this is what John says about the leader Diotrephes. Diotrephes, who loves to put himself first. Diotrephes, who loves to put himself first. One of the marks of a false prophet in their attitude toward the people of God is that they are not servants of the people of God. They see the people of God existing to serve their ends. These type of false teachers, these type of false prophets think the church exists for their glory, for their fame, for their acclamation. They use the church rather than being this picture of a tender shepherd from 1 Peter 5 tenderly and nurturing love, giving the flock of God what they need. False prophets demonstrate that they are false prophets in their disposition towards the flock. Now I want you to know that this is one of the reasons why it's such a good and right and beautiful thing to be a part of a Presbyterian church. Because in Presbyterianism, we hold that no one person is at the top. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And then after that, there is no one individual in charge. We believe in the collective plurality of eldership that seeks to discern the mind of Christ and then act in accord and keep in check anyone who might be existing out of selfish accord with their own interests, people like Diotrephes who love to put themselves first. i got to tell you that one of the greatest blessings of being a part of a healthy and biblical church is healthy and biblical elders that protect and love the flock. And we take for granted that reality when things are going well. We're not aware of how much the shepherds are protecting us from those who would seek to be ravenous amongst the flock. But the point here is that the false prophet is identified by their attitude towards the people. Secondly, a false prophet is identified by the fruit of their teaching. Jesus says in verse 16 and verse 20 that you will be able to recognize these false teachers by their fruits. He tells you you will. He explains the metaphor and then emphatically says it again in verse 20. You will be able to recognize them by their fruits. And there is a, there's a lot of explanation about what this fruit is. What is the fruit of a teacher? What is the fruit of a prophet? 
And there are some that say that the, the fruitfulness of the teaching ministry is the fruitfulness of the people that sit under the teaching ministry and how fruitful the congregation is under the teacher. Some people suggest that. But there are others who say that the fruitfulness of the teacher is primarily in the health of their doctrine, what they teach, the content of their teaching, the accuracy of their teaching. Jesus' point here in verse 19, is that diseased trees, that's his metaphor for a false teacher, is a tree that is diseased. They don't bear good fruit because they can't. It's not possible for them to do so. And as a result, they are discarded. I think that the, the point of emphasis here is that the fruit of the teacher is the fruit of their doctrine, the fruit of what they teach, the content of what they are saying. And the reason why this is so important, and I've, I've learned this, not just practically with regard to the church, but practically with regard to keeping apple trees, is that disease spreads through an orchard really fast and can jump from one tree to the next in such a way that what was once a healthy tree bearing fruit succumbs to illness and therefore no longer bears fruit because it can't. Jesus says, you will know a teacher by the fruit of their teaching. So, this is very practical. As you are being called by Jesus to be on guard against false teaching, what are some examples of false teaching that we hear in the world today, in the church today, in buildings and associations that claim to be a part of the church of Christ, the true church of Christ, where we hear false teaching, what are some of the things that we hear? Maybe you've heard them in your lifetime, maybe you haven't. But everything that I'm going to give you here as an example is a part of official doctrine of some churches. For example, the idea that hell is just a myth. That there's no actual such thing as hell. That God will not punish people with everlasting torment because He's simply too loving. He would never do that. One of the hallmarks of a false teacher, and the reason why Jesus follows up the description of the, the narrow and broad road, is that a false teacher will never talk about the distinction between the narrow and the broad road. Because it's just broad road and everything's fine. There's no reason to be concerned. There's no reason to be alarmed. A false teacher will love to say things like, you know, <clears throat> Satan. That's not real either. That's also just a myth. They love to say things like, there's no such thing as absolute truth. They love to have hallmark phrases like saying, doctrine doesn't really matter. What matters is that we should just love each other because doctrine divides. Let's just love each other. What we believe doesn't really matter. Let's just love each other. There are those who say things like, Jesus, Jesus may be the way for you. He may be the Savior for you, but there are plenty of other ways to heaven after all. I think those are the more obvious ones, but here are a couple of others that are more pervasive, I think, that have really crept into the church in ways that I think the church is not paying attention to. This idea that sin is a sickness rather than the state of our nature. That sin is just a sickness. It's just a, a culturally conditioned reality. 
And we need to just culturally condition ourselves away from it rather than having distinguishing categories of righteous and unrighteous. This is wrong. In the church, we are under increasing pressure not to make emphatic declarations about what is righteous and unrighteous, right and wrong, sinful and unsinful. There are more examples we could say. This whole idea that Gender being a fluid thing, gender is what you say it is, marriage is what you say it is, etc., etc. I don't want to belabor these points. Just making the point here that false teachers betray themselves with their false doctrine. Their doctrine is the fruit that betrays that they are not healthy, that they are not bearing good fruit. Jesus says, Beware, because what's going to become of them is that they are going to be thrown into the fire discarded because they don't bless and strengthen and build up the people of God. A false teacher is identified by their disposition towards the people of God. They're identified by their fruits, and they're also identified by this last part. It really comes out in verses 21 through 23 because this section, 21 through 23, is following up with regard to false teaching. A false teacher is also identified by their priorities. Here you find Jesus saying in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, but the one who does the will of my Father. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. A false prophet is identified by their priorities. A false prophet will place an emphasis on their accomplishments. Lord, we did this. I did this. I even did it for you. I did it in your name. I prophesied. I did mighty works and cast out demons. And we did this for you and for your glory and in your name. And Jesus says, no, you didn't. That was for you. Your ministry was about you. You intended to point people to yourself as the answer. You intended to point people to your own intellect as the the, the reigning reality. Jesus says, this is not what faithful ministry looks like, and this is not what most of my people must sit under. Jesus says to those who claim all of this success, who claim all of this ministry, He says, I don't know you. Depart from Me. You're not a worker of the kingdom. You're a worker of lawlessness. A false prophet is identified by their priorities with respect to to whom are they serving, themselves or Jesus. And even the false prophet is deceived in thinking, we did it for Jesus. And Jesus says, no, you didn't. You did it for you. Now, why is it that you think Jesus is spending time here at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount addressing teachers? When in the book of James it says, not many of you are teachers. The significant majority, the overwhelming majority, the supermajority of the Christian people are not in teaching roles. So why would Jesus spend time talking about teachers when there are so many of us who, who are not teachers? Jesus is saying it for this reason. He is saying these things about teachers because false teachers make false disciples. To come under the ministry of a false teacher 
is to produce a false discipleship in you. False disciples are deceived people. And I think Jesus is looking out on the crowd, and I think by His Word in the Spirit of God, He is saying to all of us who come under the authority of His Word, He's asking the question, is that you? Are you a deceived person? Are you a false disciple? Have you come under the influence of the ministry of a false teacher in such a way that you have been led on the broad road thinking the whole time it's true Christianity when in reality you're deceived? Are you deceived? You can know that you are deceived if your confidence is in your teacher rather than Jesus. If your confidence is in the intellect of your teacher rather than the glory of Jesus. If your confidence is in the person of your teacher rather than the person of Jesus. Is the teacher that you are under the influence of pointing to themselves or pointing to Jesus is the distinguishing mark of a true and false ministry. And Jesus says, you must beware of whose influence you are under. Because there are false teachers in the church. And the application in this is that Jesus is speaking not just to those who are teachers who are saying, we do these things, we prophesy, cast out demons, and do mighty works. What Jesus says here is to raise the alarm and warning amongst all Christian people. Because there are those who are so deceived because they're saying, Jesus, we know you. We claim your name. We say that you are our Lord. And Jesus says, you say that you know me, but I don't know you. I don't know you because we never had any intimate fellowship. You never pursued me. More than knowing Jesus' name, more than doing things in his name, what you and I need to do is to rest and trust in his name and in the work of his salvation. It's not enough to call ourselves a Christian, slap on the badge, and then expect at the end of the day Jesus is obligated to gain us access to His kingdom. No, Jesus has said all along that what it really means to know Christ, to come under the true teacher, the truest teacher there ever was, is to know myself poor in spirit, mourning over my sins, being hungry and thirsty for righteousness and finding in Jesus Christ the satisfaction of all of my deepest needs. That's what it really means to know Christ. Not just to make a profession and say, Lord, you know, we did this, we did this, we did this. But to really receive and rest upon Him as He's offered in the Gospel. And He is warning the people of God about false teachers because false teachers make false disciples Jesus says, don't let that be you. Don't be deceived. But really know me and really receive me. And so follow me, Jesus says. Well, that's a strong word, isn't it? And it's supposed to be. It's supposed to wake us up if we have perhaps slumbered a bit spiritually. 
if we have perhaps considered our Christianity to be just a little piece of who we are, rather than the defining reality of our very being, to be a follower of Jesus. And so, people of God, hear the words of the King and obey. Let us pray. Lord, we hear Your Word. Help us not only to hear it, but also to listen and obey. Lord, we know that You say these words to us not to just shake us from confidence, but rather to lead us to a deeper confidence of a true and sincere faith, growing in faithfulness, growing in truth, growing in the knowledge of who You are. I said, Lord, may that be true amongst us. May You minister to each and every one of our souls today that we would know You and then know You more and take delight in that knowledge. Lord, bless us with that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If you would like more information about our church or its ministries, please visit edgingtonepc.org. May God bless and keep you.